welcome to the Modern MBA podcast with Marie Kerwin and Kristen Rossi. Our mission is to help MBAs coming from, going into, or merely considering more unorthodox career paths. We're a community to find inspiration and share stories. Today we're speaking with Freddie Bob Jones. He's had a fascinating career, starting off in economics with the UK Civil Services Fast Stream Programme. He worked in Afghanistan, then PwC in Kenya, and now is Operational Director for Planned Parenthood in Kenya. If we can just start off with you telling us a little bit about yourself, your name, your current role, and where you're doing your MBA. Great stuff. Well, uh, thanks, uh, Kristen and Marie, for having me on. Um, so I'm Freddie Bob Jones, and um, I'm currently working as the Operations Director um, at the International Planned Parenthood Federation, uh, which is uh, an international NGO. And um, currently based in Nairobi and currently doing the distance learning MBA at Boyd Business School. Brilliant. So yeah, you have a really interesting career. When I was going through your profile, I, I know I'm missing a few roles, but you were an economic advisor with the UK Home Office. You worked for seven years with the Department of International Development. You worked with Deloitte in Kabul, then PwC in Kenya, and now you're the operational director for Planned Parenthood in Nairobi. Can you just walk us through your career path to, to date? Yeah, sure. Um, you've definitely captured the, the gist of it. I've had three phases in my career to date. So I did uh, my undergrad and master's in economics back-to-back um, undergrad at uh, Reading University, then, then went to Manchester in the late 90s into early 2000s. Then I joined the civil service fast stream as an economist. Um, so I spent the first eight years of my career working in the UK civil service. Uh, the bulk of that time was spent at DFID, which is the Department for International Development, um, but also did uh, some time at the Home Office, which is the sort of UK Ministry of the Interior and uh, HM Treasury, which is the Ministry of Finance. And I worked on uh, yeah, a really sort of wide range of, of topics, um, which I had no idea about in terms of how economics could be used in that capacity when I was a student. But um, yeah, I, I, you know, we, I used economics to understand crime trends in the UK, to working on enterprise education at the Treasury, through to supporting governments in South Asia and Africa on public financial management reform, private sector development, and microeconomic analysis. So, um, so I did that till 2009. Um, and then after, after that, I spent the next 10 years or so working in management consulting. Um, management consulting primarily to the public sector uh, and to the international development space specifically. So I spent a bulk of that time working for PricewaterhouseCoopers um, in the international development team. So I did a wide range of consulting and business development uh, for, for, for the PwC team, both in the UK and in the Kenyan firms, uh, which was great fun. I uh, did a whole bunch of good stuff there and worked with a really fantastic uh, group of folks. Um, and then in uh, 2016, uh, relocated to Kenya um, initially with, with PwC um, in 2016, and then sort of moved on to other opportunities and uh, ended up with IPPF last year on a big DFID funded project. Basically, we're, we're rolling out uh, 
sexual reproductive health and family planning interventions in 15 countries in South Asia and, and Africa. So we've got three countries in South Asia, so Bangladesh, Pakistan, and Afghanistan. Mm. Um, and we've got uh, the, remaining, the remaining 12 countries in predominantly in, in East and Southern Africa. And mm. yeah, we're working with a sort of wide range of um, consortium partners. So we're basically leading a consortium of six, six organizations in total. So it's, it's quite a big one. Um, it's interesting. I've never worked in the uh, sort of uh, reproductive health space before. So for me, it's definitely a, a new departure, even though the sector is quite familiar, but the actual specific sort of thematic area technically is, 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 is a, new, it's a new, new departure for me. If you haven't had this technical experience before, how did you make the transition into the role? How did you sort of tell your story so that it fit? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, so in the role that I'm in, which is operations, um, mm. uh, basically they, they wanted someone who was a bit more commercially minded, if for one of a better phrase. So yes. essentially at the top of the project, there's three positions. There's the overall executive project director who's my boss um, mm -hmm. and she has over, over, overall oversight responsibility for the project and then immediately underneath her is the operations director role and the program director role so the program mm -hmm. director is essentially responsible for you know for the the technical the sexual reproductive technical side of things so he's a doctor uh, okay. has worked in the space for a long time and then on the operations side, um, you know, they wanted someone who was a bit more kind of, who came from a bit more of a commercial background in terms of business development, uh, yeah. could understand the sort of dynamics around making sure that, you know, the payment by results focus of the project wasn't lost uh, and that we kind of kept things quite efficient and quite effective. So that's where I sort of came in. And I think uh, when, I, when I interviewed for the role as well, they were quite, um, they were quite, uh, enthusiastic about my previous experience working with Indifid, um, yeah. which meant I could sort of bring more understanding of the client, the donor, and yeah. kind of help them that, that side of things. That's brilliant. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Why did you decide to do an MBA? And what do you hope it will bring to your profile, your future goals? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so I'd always wanted to do an MBA. It's something which I'd sort of uh, thought about for a long time. Um, and I, I kind of almost uh, applied to business school in 2009, but basically decided to go back to Afghanistan instead uh, and continue working there. Yeah, I, I hadn't had enough of Afghanistan by that point. Um, but yeah, <laughs> then I kind of uh, entered into consulting and throughout my time in consulting, I kind of felt, you know, that there was something missing. Um, so I was working in consulting, worked for a number of companies, but I just felt like I needed a qualification which, which brought a whole range of things together. So, you know, understanding businesses from a strategic perspective, you know, understanding how financial statements are put together, you know, organizational behavior, you know, all the things mm -hmm. they have in a, in a normal MBA. And I kind of felt I'd interacted with people who, who had MBAs and they always seem to have, they always seem to bring a, a more connected, understanding of how businesses and organizations work so so for me that's why i wanted to do it and um you know warwick warwick um you know ticked a lot of boxes for me and you know in terms of the choice and the distance learning thing for me it was I, because i've got a, a young family and based in kenya it wasn't really uh, an option to go to go full-time or even do to do an executive mba so 
it really ticked, uh, the distance learning option ticks a lot of boxes for me. In terms of the second part of your question, I still intend to continue working in, in the development space. I mean, I've sort of spent a long time in, in the space and I find the issues quite interesting. But I do feel like the skills, because what, one of the things which I've really felt about doing the MBA, and it's been a lot of hard work, but I felt it's really expanded my understanding and, and, and knowledge of a whole range of areas that I only had a sort of uh, very surface level understanding of. And it's, it's complemented my experience of having worked in the sector for, for quite a long time. So it's, it's definitely sort of strengthened my understanding of the development business. And yeah. I think uh, it will stand me in good stead, even if I don't continue working within international development going forward. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so then what specific skills has it been building for you? What, what specific skills have you found that you've really made major strides in? The course itself has been absolutely fantastic, um, all of it. Um, I'm coming to the end of it now, so I'm basically in the dissertation period, uh, period of side of things. But I've enjoyed uh, every second over the last 18 months. So, I mean, the, the majority of the modules, you know, have been really good in terms of the balance between academic rigor, but also ensuring that the course content remains grounded in real-world applications. So I think for me, you know, the modules like leadership, uh, marketing, accounting, strategy have been really, really good, just in terms of presenting the underlying theoretical concepts, but in terms of how I can sort of take those literally the next day and apply them in the work context. Um, so I've done that quite a few times. Uh, and also, you know, we deal with a lot of data, um, in data analytics in, in, in my role. Uh, and so I've tried to sort of yeah, my focus in the electives side of things in the second year of the MBA to you know focus on things around analytics. So I've done quite a few things there, like modeling for managers and uh, you know, digital innovation analytics. So it's 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 been really good in terms of um, helping to build, I guess, sort of strategy skills, but also skills around how I can bring analytics to the workplace uh, in terms of helping to improve things. Yeah, absolutely, I think analytics is so key. Just so many roles in, in operations and in marketing and in, in, in development. It's such a core skill these days. And actually, it's also interesting, we've talked about this in the past. So we did a full-time MBA, which is great because it's you're there every day. It's really intensive and you build great relationships. But the one thing I personally found lacking was that you learn all this stuff, but and you're applying it to projects, you're applying it to papers. But I think the execs and the distance learners are really able to then go back the next day and mm. use it in their and that's so valuable no definitely i mean like um for example the uh, innovation and creativity module on the mba we, we had a, an assignment which uh you know i was able to kind of survey team members in, in in ippf and um you know get some insight into into what people felt about how innovation and creativity was uh, structured in the mm. organization you know sort of areas that they felt could be strengthened and that's that's sort of uh it's insights which you can kind of take to other managers and say, listen, you know, I've, I've done this, I've done this as part of my MBA and we've uncovered, you know, um, these insights. You might be interested in maybe exploring that even further. So it's, there's definitely that sort of more instant sort of feedback loop in terms of applying what you've learned in a work context and seeing whether or not it sticks or it doesn't stick or, you know, sort of different applications. Yeah, and you can really, I think, really affect change. If you get the results, you bring it to your managers, they see the results, and then you can really 
drive that change home, which then kind of brought, brought, draws in other aspects of the MBA, um, organizational behavior, stakeholder management, negotiation. No, it's, it's so good. I mean, that, that, that's why I think um, so folks who come from a sort of non-traditional corporate background doing an MBA, and I've seen that actually with some of my other course, course mates who come from perhaps more social sectors, uh, the third sector, charity sector, who, who are literally sort of taken what they've learned back to the office and applied it and come back sort of uh, all excited about how things have sort of changed or uncovered some deep, deeper insights. So it's been really good. For someone or for an MBA who's never worked in development but are looking post-MBA to move into that area, what skills do you feel are key in the development world? I think most of the skills that one needs to survive or do well in the corporate sector um, are actually applicable to be successful in the development world as well. So I mean, one of the things which folks don't, don't understand about the development space is that it's, it's quite diverse. You've got NGOs, non-governmental organizations who tend to be, um, you know, non, not-for-profit organizations. And, yeah. you know, you've got, you've got them on one side of the spectrum. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you, you have for-profit organizations, um, you know, basically consulting firms who, are, you know, they compete for jobs, they price them in a competitive way and they make profits of those jobs. So I think, you know, but across those two, across those, those two sides of the spectrum, obviously there's different, uh, sort of different organizations in the middle of that spectrum. But the three skills I would highlight are uh, one, pro problem solving. Um, you know, uh, there, there, there are a lot of problems to solve in the development space, you know, whether that might be humanitarian responses to disasters, or working to support education or health service delivery in a developing country. So you need to be good at, at you know, applying innovation and creativity to solving problems in, in, in a way that makes sense for the organization that you're working for. Um, secondly, I would say you, you need to be able to maintain a clear head in terms of prioritization. So you know, what are your key priorities for execution? establish a critical path because there's of, there's, there will often be a lot of competing demands on your time, um, especially if you're working, for example, in my, in, my example, in my case, where I'm working on a lot of issues across a lot of countries with a lot of partners, you know, yeah. at the end of the day, you need to be able to cut through, you know, the noise and kind of get through to the heart of the issues that need to be done. So it's quite yeah. good to see the wood from the trees, um, <laughs> but also to sort of... <laughs> You know, to sort of rally and build support and work with your team to deliver on that path. And then I think the third, the third, the third and final sort of skill I'd say is, especially in this day and age where, you know, like you you mentioned, um, Kristen, you know, there's a lot of data out there, and so yeah. I think, you know, being a data file in terms of using data to yeah. inform and drive your decisions um, is quite critical. Actually, it's becoming even more important in this day an age where you know, donors in the development space, who tend to be the main source, both for NGOs and for profit uh, providers, they wanna see results, right? Yeah. And they wanna see results, um, they wanna see programs that deliver value for money. So it's, uh, it's even more important to be able to use information and data to drive those results without kind of losing steam in terms of making profits if you're a private company. But also, NGOs as well have to cover their costs. So I think it's quite critical on the, to be a data file. That's brilliant. That's great.
I guess one question that I would have um, is, first of all, for people who are maybe working in consulting at the moment, they're considering a change of career and they're looking mm. at, the, um, at the development sector. And, they, and this could be people who've kind of, you know, they've already done an MBA or they're doing it at the moment as a, as a sort of transition tool. What advice would you give to people in, in that position? So that's a good question, Louis. Um, well, I mean, the, the first thing to note, like, uh, like I said, there, there are many consulting firms um, involved in, in development. So, mm. you know, from the, the big four audit firms, you know, Pricewaterhouse, my former employer, KPMG, um, EY, uh, Deloitte, um, through to the big three strategy firms, um, McKinsey, BCG, um, through to, you know, more niche players. So, so you know, the, the sort of usual suspects in consulting are involved in development work and they work for mm. donors like USAID, DFID, World Bank, etc. So you can be in consulting and move within your organization or to another organization in the private sector in consulting and do development work. That's, that's the first thing to note. But I think there are also opportunities to work directly for, for an NGO like, I, like I'm doing. Um, mm. or pub, public sector or international organizations that specialize in development. So my mm. advice would be, you know, build up a network of contacts in the sector. So you can do that through social media sites like LinkedIn, you know, set up coffee meetings or virtual meetings in this day and age. Um, mm. through, to, through to, <laughs> yeah, through to attending uh, industry events. And, you know, there's still industry events going on online um, via sort of, different uh, online platforms. And so, yeah, from there, you can kind of build up a, a dynamic picture of trends in the industry and then reach out to these contacts when opportunities open up. It, it also pays to be open to, it pays to be open to international relocation. So, mm. you know, I've known several folks who've moved countries, you know, say for example, to Kenya or, or other developing countries and then secure jobs with either consulting firms or NGOs once they've actually deployed and on the ground so i've known quite a few okay. people who've done that yeah i'm really glad you mentioned international location actually because it, it kind of brings me up to a question which which isn't on the list but i'm really curious about um <clears> you've <throat> obviously had a, a very international career um, but you've also worked in some really challenging um environments like afghanistan for example how do you like what what was that like like i'm just so curious about the um, the experience and, and how that was kind of living and, and working there me too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, that's cool. Um, I, I think uh, the time I spent in Afghanistan, uh, especially working with, with DFID, you know, was, was probably the, the best professional experience I've had to date uh, in, mm. in my working life. It's quite hard to describe it. I mean, you know, I was quite scared when I went to Afghanistan, before I went to Afghanistan, because obviously, um, you know, you see the news and you're not quite sure what to make of it before you get there but it, it's a place where you know it was a situation where you know the, there was a whole range of us there um all of us were sort of similar ages so sort of late 20s early 30s we had a mission it was a very sort of clearly defined mission which was to support afghanistan rebuild its institutions provide uh, resources to help delivery of social services and and it was quite intense um, I can't quite describe it. It was, it was one of these things where, you know, we worked for six, six days out of, uh, out of the week. Um, you know, really hardcore, you know, you start at eight o'clock and you don't finish till seven or eight o'clock at night. And we used, we used to work six weeks on, two weeks off. So we'd spend six weeks in country and have two weeks off. And we, we needed that decompression uh, phase just to sort of 
bring us back and level set us, you know, in terms of, um, you know, to avoid burnout and all that kind of thing. But, you know, because we had that sort of real focus, there was real camaraderie among, amongst the team. It was just, it was just really cool. It was, uh, and I, met, I actually met my wife there as well, um, which was a good bonus. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was a really great time. I, I, we did some really, really cool stuff, worked with some great colleagues, both within the Fed, with the Afghan government and also with the other donor community. And uh, I, I'm still, I still rave on about it today. It's just been one of the best experiences I've had professionally. Mm. Yeah, it sounds amazing, to be honest. Like, just, just incredible. <laughs> it sounds like such a good experience. It's unfortunate the way how things have um, sort of deteriorated um, recently in Afghanistan. And I hope, and the, mm. Afghan, the Afghan people are great. I mean, it's a really dramatic landscape really warm people um i know obviously from a sort of press perspective you don't get that often but the, the afghans that i met and worked with together were just fantastic i mean really great really great people fantastic um okay and so what about people um what about mbas kind of looking at potentially moving in the opposite direction so maybe coming from a development background as in they've worked for like an NGO or another kind of um, another kind of organization in that sector and they're considering mm. consulting as an option um, what what advice would you give to those people uh, you know there's many folks who go into consulting from the NGO public sector space and vice versa so you know a lot of the tips that are flagged earlier apply and I think you know if you're if you're doing an MBA then you get a chance to to work on those 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 skills and those you know so bring that to bear. But I think, I think in terms of additional advice, if you're looking to move from the NGO space, uh, public sector space to consulting, um, mm. I would say it does help to have some sectoral or technical expertise that you can bring into the consulting firm. So, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, consulting firms, you know, their, their focus is to supply services to clients and Therefore, you need to have something that can be supplied to the client that is of value, right? Mm. So, you know, as a consultant, you've been hired to solve your client's problems. So if you have experience on health and education reform issues or policy making at the center of government or transport policy issues or economic analysis or regulatory reform issues, which you can, you can have if you work for certain types of uh, NGOs, think tanks or public sector organizations, then, you know, these are good technical areas where you can bring value to your role. Um, you can work within a team, you know, and, and basically help solve your clients' problems. But I think, I think above, above that, I think it's, it's quite important to be curious, to have an analytical mindset, um, to be flexible, and to also just love solving problems for clients. I think one of the things that whenever I've interacted with consultants, um, during the MBA, they've always kind of said, if you've got that real love for kind of taking a case and solving it and, and solving that challenge, then consulting is, is likely something you'll really enjoy. Definitely, definitely. If you, if you just love, you know, yeah, just getting into the meat of a problem and working. I mean, obviously, another, another tip as well, you need to love working with people, I think, uh, to be successful mm. in consulting because, um, you know, that no, no one day is ever the same in a consulting environment. You know, one day you could be working for, you know, C-suite uh, clients, you know, CEOs or COOs or whatever. And the next day you could be, for example, you know, in the middle of Skegness somewhere, you know, working for, <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what I mean? That, you know, no, 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 no one day is the same. So you, you need to have that sort of 
adapted and flexible mindset and like working with people as well. So that's definitely another thing I would say it's good to have. Just as far as consulting firms to look at, aside from the big four, and I know of mm. Dahlberg as well, are there any other ones that you would say maybe lesser known organizations that people should look at? Yeah, sure. There's quite a few of them. Um, so there's a few sort of portals which um, tend to have quite a lot of information on on sort of key suppliers to the big the big donors. Uh, a, a website, a good website, I would recommend checking out is uh, devex.com. So d-e-b-e-x.com. Um, so yeah, I mean um, players probably that you wouldn't have heard of. Um, organizations like Card No Emerging Markets. They're they're quite big in this space. Organizations like Vivid Economics, um, Genesis Analytics in South Africa, but they've got an Africa-wide footprint. Um, IPE Global, they're, 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 quite, they're quite good, they're quite big. Adam Smith International. Um, so those are sort of uh, a, a sort of cut of um, firms which you may not have heard of. Mott McDonald as well. Uh, they're quite big in the engineering space, but they have got uh, development uh, consult, consulting practice as well. They've got quite a big um, education practice in the international development uh, practice. They do quite a bit of work in health as well, infrastructure. Um, so yeah, there's, there's quite a few of them. And there's a, another a company as well called Oxford Policy Management. So they tend to do a lot of work yeah, with regards to sort of public sector reform, center of government reform. So yeah, I mean, if you go to DevEx, DevEx has um, all of those guys listed in, in a database of use access. Brilliant. That's really helpful. That's great. You, you mentioned about reaching out on LinkedIn and Marie and I have been talking about this and talking with other people about this. So during the MBA, you're always encouraged to reach out to people on LinkedIn. I mean, we did that with you, you know, to talk to you for the interview, yeah. but often, at least I find it personally so hard and how to, how do you reach out? How do you come across as look, you know, you are looking for a job or you are looking for a help when people reach out to you. Can you kind of share what is, what, what do you receive and you think, oh, this person, I really want to speak with them or help them. And what, on the other hand, is a turnoff? Yeah, it's a, it's, it's, that's a tough question, actually. Um, <laughs> in a converse way, I think this current situation with, with COVID um, mm -hmm. is probably making reaching out to people on LinkedIn easier uh, or, or people are more open to, um, they're more receptive to, you know, folks who they may not know from before and just maybe just giving them a chance. But I think for me, the, the, the main thing there is around, you know, having a sort of clear message about what it is that you want to connect about. I think for people who are looking to move roles and build contacts in the sector, I think if you just come out and you say, you just want to find out a bit more about, you know, the company or what the company is doing in international development and that kind of thing, um, I think if you sort of structured it in, in that way, normally I'm more receptive to that. So I think yeah. if you come in with, with quite a sort of generic request and you don't know that person, then you're probably more inclined to say, well, okay, I'm not sure I'm, not sure I'm going to connect to this person. But if the person comes and says, listen, you know, I've worked in this space, I've got an interest in finding out more about your organization and what you do in international development. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, especially with, with COVID-19 and everyone working from home, people are more minded to, to open up and just have a conversation. As long mm -hmm. as it's kind of specific and, you know, you know, you're quite clear about what you want to talk about. Yeah, that's great. That's brilliant. Thank you.
Well, Freddie, it was a pleasure to talk to you. You're, again, your background is so interesting. I could keep you on the phone all, all ask you so many questions, but I won't do that. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's been great. It's been great uh, talking to you, to, to you both. And um, so finalized by just saying that, uh, you know, th these days everyone's got like a portfolio career. And yeah, COVID-19 has shown that even the best laid plans could just be laid to waste by black swan events. So I think the main, the main thing for folks looking to transition from, um, well, from consulting backgrounds into development and vice versa, is just to stay, stay flexible, stay positive, stay curious and have fun with it all. That, that's great yeah, advice. Absolutely. And thank you so much. This is, um, yeah, I've really enjoyed this conversation. It's been, um, it's been fascinating to hear about your experience. It's also interesting that um, Freddie emphasised the importance of um, being willing to relocate internationally for certain careers as well, or at least that it's that it's very helpful. Um, I don't know about you, but as someone who's lived overseas in the past, I always see it, or almost always see it, as like a, a real bonus when I'm asked to relocate. Um, and it's easy to forget that actually, you know, not everyone feels like that, especially when it comes to, um, I guess, more challenging locations. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because I was thinking the same thing. He was saying that you need to be willing to relocate. And in my mind, whenever there's a relocation possibility, I'm like, yes, perfect. <laughs> I, you do embrace to light the fact that many people don't want to and for, and for good reason. And it also, it was funny, he was talking about Afghanistan and it made me think about, I think some of these more remote locations, the community there I find becomes more tight-knit because you're a smaller community of expats. Like I found in Hanoi, for example, when I lived and worked there, I think the nature of the city and, and how it was progressing, at least at that time, the expat community was so tight. And, and that, mm -hmm. that small circle build, helps build the camaraderie and it kind of helps enrich the experience overall because you have a really tight mm -hmm. circle. Everyone sort of, you need each other because you're in a really different situation. Mm. Yeah, I really agree with that. And I think what you say about it being like a, a different situation just really nails it. Like my experiences in Seoul, bearing in mind that this was 10 years ago, actually more than 10 years ago, um, were very similar. Um, you know, it was, there weren't that many foreigners in Korea at the time. Um, the language was a, a really big barrier. Um, yes. And yeah, you did kind of like, really quickly sort of form that that quite tight-knit expat community um and there was a really strong sense of interdependence there and um, camaraderie is a, a great way of explaining it that's all for today's modern mba podcast i'm Kristen, and i'm marie if you like this episode, remember to hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts. You can get access to articles and more great content by visiting our website, themodernmba.co.uk, Facebook and LinkedIn under The Modern MBA, and on Twitter at MBA Modern. Until next time, bye! Bye!